Hi, everybody. I'm Carlos Justi, sports anchor for Telemundo 48 and analyst for Chivas and Inglés for Telemundo Deportes. And you're listening to the Villas Podcast. <laughs> Hola amigos de Pancho Villas Army, aquí el Sargento with episode 59 of Villas Podcast. Uh, with me today, Ed Coronel once again. Um, I swear, I, I don't know why I keep inviting this guy. He keeps beating me up in social media. He won the jersey of, of Mexico from me. Um, I just, I'm a sucker for pain, man, so I keep bringing him back. Coronel, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, man. You know, you said uh, episode 59. I'm surprised we haven't been canceled yet. I mean, can you cancel it? Can you cancel your own channel? I don't know. But uh, I'm very happy again to, to, to join you, Z, on this lovely, beautiful day. It's starting to get warm out here in Phoenix. But, uh, yeah, ready to, get, ready to get started with the show. Excellent, man. Well, thanks again uh, for, you know, again, being by my side because we have a, a guest that we're going to – we have a lot of questions that we want to ask. We want to get to know them more than anything. Um, I don't know about you, Coronel, but I'm a big fan of his. Um, ever since he was in in, in uh, Don uh, Sado Gigante, he's an actor. Um, he, you know, well, he, the guy's well, hilarious. Well, wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about? What you, dude, we're talking about uh, junior, not senior. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, get the pass out. Do your homework. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't even prepare for junior, man. All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We're definitely going uh, to cancel for sure. <laughs> Give it up for our guest, Carlos Eustace Jr. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Nice to have you. Hey, and again, I, I'm a big promoter of my dad. Uh, I'm his biggest fan, obviously, and he's taught me a lot of the things that I know. Uh, I wouldn't really say I'm in this because of him, even though it's kind of like that. We'll get into it, but it's, it's, it's a huge honor. I mean, he would love to be on the podcast, too. So one day you want to have him, I can make those arrangements for senior to be here. Oh, dude, that's I, I think we're going to go viral when that happens. The guy's hilarious, dude. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll talk more about that, but it's all about you, Carlos. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, what we like to do is just tell us a little bit about yourself, man. It's, I call your origin story. Tell us where you're born, raised, and, and kind of your journey up to this point, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, I lived there until I was 17 years old. I moved to Miami, obviously, because my dad was working in Sao Gigante. Uh, there was a point where he was working basically three weeks out of the month in Miami and then one in, in Mexico City. So that kind of complicated things for the family. And that's why we decided, well, he decided that, that we should move. He didn't have to convince me. He, he, he didn't try hard to convince me. I mean, you tell a 17-year-old you're moving to Miami. I had my bags already packed, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I went to Miami. I was a, I was a junior in, in, in high school. Uh, while I was in Mexico, I played for Cruz Azul. I was in the in, in the ranks of Cruz Azul, uh, up to third oh. division. I played third division, and when I was moving to the second division that year, uh, it became professional, which means that you had to practice in the morning. So my dad, in all his wisdom and all the people he knew, he was like. You're sticking to school because you have good grades. Sometimes I'm like, why did I try in school? I should have not tried in school. I just keep trying in the soccer field. But uh, I did well in school. So he was like, no, you're going to keep studying. And he took me out of professional soccer. Obviously, there's a lot of politics involved and, and things that are still true to today. Um, so he didn't want me to be part of that. And, and he basically said, like, that's it for your soccer career. Uh, <laughs> you can keep you can keep playing it. Enjoy it, whatever. And, and, and we move out of that. Uh, I moved to Miami. I played high school. Uh, a really funny story. I couldn't play uh, club because I was a year older because 
to study English in Mexico, I had to do an extra grade. So when I was a senior, everybody was already in college in the my say age group. So I couldn't play a club. Uh, and that kind of, you know, closed some doors for, for how college works. And it's something I've, I became a coach later and I try to try to fight with the, with the academy system. Um, I played junior and senior. Uh, I didn't play soccer in college, uh, funny enough, even though I played with Cruz Azul and I had a sh very short stint with the national team at U15 in Mexico. Uh, I started coaching. My coaches from high school decided that I was coaching material and they kept me as a coach. So I coached high school for 12 years. And that's kind of like where the origin story starts because I love soccer. I soccer uh, since I started playing in, in at eight years old, uh, which I pick up so my dad's a huge soccer fan, huge, huge soccer fan. I actually call him a soccer groupie. If he has any oh, excuse. That's us. Uh, if yeah. he has any excuse to go meet a soccer player with the excuse that he's famous, he'll be like, oh, what's up, man? And if they recognize him, it's even better. Because it's like, hey, so we you change numbers. I can invite you to dinner, this and that. Like, that's how he became friends with soccer players, uh, which was a big part of me growing up, like showing up home from school and being like, why is El Conejo Perez here? Like, how did this happen? Yeah, what's sitting living in my living room, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it was all of a sudden, it's like, hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, is this who I think it is? Like, why is Carlos Hermosillo here? Like, what did we do? Uh -huh. um, so anyway, so because of that, I always love soccer. Uh, I, I pick up soccer because I loved Captain Subasa, which in Mexico we call it Super Campeones. Uh, when that cartoon came around, yeah. it was right at the same time as the 1994 World Cup. Yep. So I pick up soccer and my dad was in love with the fact that I love soccer. Uh, after that, he was watching games all day, every day, going to practice all five days of the week, playing on Saturdays and Sundays. So. For, but to me, soccer was that, like everything that was on the field. I've never envisioned myself like doing something outside of that. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in high school and I'm moving to college, uh, my dad one day decides that uh, they start asking me, why are you going to study? And when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be an engineer. Like in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm going to build robots. Like I, I'm going to send things to the moon, things like that. Yeah. Then I realized I had a platonic love with uh, math. I love math, but math never loved me back. <laughs> so it was the one subject in school that it was like, yeah, that I'm pushing that B like really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I had to get like extra credits and whatever. So I told my mom, like, there's no way I'm going to study engineering. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I decided I was going to study film. You know what? My parents were actors. I always grew up in the TV and in the studio. Like, it makes sense that I stay in the family business, right? They didn't want me to be an actor for whatever reason. I was like, well, you have more control if you're like behind the cameras because you could be the boss, right? I'm the boss of the actors. So my parents kind of like that, like that idea. They did put an ultimatum that if I didn't have the highest grades in all college, they were going to take me out of film and make me study something else that would make money. <laughs> and I was like, all right, <laughs> no pressure. Uh, so while I was studying film, uh, I always obviously kept playing soccer. Uh, funny enough, I was playing on a semi-professional team with Luchi, uh, Luchi, uh, Luchi Gonzalez, which is now the coach for FC Dallas. Mm -hmm. I played in high school with his brother, and then uh, there was a, a semi-professional team that he had with Eric Vasquez, who also played for Columbus Crew and some people like that. So I was playing with them. Um, and at that time, my dad got invited by Fernando Fiore to go play. Uh, it was a pickup game. It was not a pickup game. It was an exhibition game. Uh, somebody had passed away uh, for Radio Caracol, and they were gathering funds to bring uh, money for his family and whatnot. So it was a game between 
the people from Radio Caracol and the people from Univision, my dad at that point was working in Univision, uh, they brought me as a ringer because, you know, you always yeah. want to win the games even though it's an exhibition <laughs> and you're like, uh, let's bring the 19-year-old who's right in shape to, to do this. Yeah. So they bring me in. I, I started playing. Uh, some guy went really hard on me for like the first couple of plays. So then I stopped thinking that I was a friendly and I started playing for real. <laughs> I ended up scoring three goals because I'm younger than everybody else and, and a lot faster. So uh, one of the guys on the team was a producer for Univision and he was the first person. He now works for Fox Sports and, and I love him dearly. Um, and he was the first person that told me, hey, so while you're studying? And I'm like, well, I'm going to school for you know, film. He goes, but you love soccer. Have you ever thought about doing sports and television? And I was like, ah, that's a thing. Like, you're right. <laughs> he invited me to come watch a game. Uh, just watched what they did. It's like he was a producer. It's like, why don't you come watch what I do and, and see what you think? And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. So I woke up on a Saturday, went to watch, a, I think, I don't remember what game it was, but uh, it was Mexican League. And I went to watch the Liga MX. I'm sitting there watching how they produce it, how the graphics are done, that kind of stuff. And me being me, uh, that I can never stop, like, keep my mouth shut, uh, something, something was not right. And I'm like, but are you sure about that? Because... Wasn't he like 97 when did I'm pretty sure it was this guy, this guy, this guy. And he's like, can you guys check that on online? Yeah, Carlos is right. Like, you, you got the start wrong. Thanks for catching it before you went on air. And I'm like, oh, no problem. So they were like, dude, you're great for this job. Like, why don't you stay? And that was my first job. I, I was an associate producer at Univision for a year and a half um, before the 2010 World Cup. I was still in college, so I was... Going, I was taking five classes and working like 60 hours a week. <laughs> so I had to die. Hey, and when did you find any time to sleep? I, I slept at I, I slept at the school. Oh. I, I literally, because oh. my, my, the games were at night. So for example, we had CONCACAF Champions League. So on Wednesday, my normal Wednesdays would be like, I will have classes uh, from noon to two, noon to four. Mm -hmm. Then I had to drive to Univision. I will have games from six to eight, eight to 10, 10 to 12. And then we usually have a 12 to two in the morning. That was a game that was out of, out of sync with when it was live. Mm -hmm. And after I was done with that two in the morning game, I will go straight to school to finish my homework and I would just sleep on the bench on my classroom. Like sometimes the, sometimes the, the, the professors will walk in and I was sitting there sleeping. Oh, wow. This is where, uh, you know, being in the East Coast helps out for him, right? That way, if it wasn't for the games being so late, right? It, it, it worked yeah. out. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, yeah. that's called dedication too. I mean, not everybody could do that, right? I mean, I don't want to drive down to the liquor store to buy a beer. Let me <laughs> you know, sit through five classes and say, go and, and do this and then sleep at school. I mean, that takes a lot of dedication. You know, that's that's yeah. kudos to you, man. Kudos to you. I, I mean, it was funny because the sad part was that I literally finished college. Like I graduate and they laid me off. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I did that while I was I, I was still in school. But because uh, we had in 2008 when the when the real star micro crash, uh, my my position was frozen. So uh, I got let go in 2009 when I literally after I graduated. Mm -hmm. So awesome. I went back to coaching. Uh, I, I coached for a little bit and then I received a call from uh, from a friend of my dad that he had been his producer at Telemundo. My dad did uh, the morning show on Telemundo for like two years and a half with Marie Antonieta Collins and Jose Diaz Valat. And he called me and said, hey, I'm listening. I'm looking for somebody that has kind of your same profile. Like you have a friend, whatever. I'm like, what about me? And he goes, but you're working in Univision. I'm like, no, I'm not. Wait, I just asked the guys and they said that you were working up there. I'm like, dude, I've been without a job for like three months. Oh. Come over. Let, let me let's see let's see what you can do. But he was having a casting um, for for a new show that we were gonna have in, in back then it was Mundos, 
I go to the casting. I bombed the casting. Uh, well, I asked him, I was like, can I do the casting? Because, oh, because when I got laid off uh, from Univision, my same, my same boss was like, hey, Carlos, like, take it or leave it. This is not something that you've mentioned. This is not something that I've seen you say, but I think you will be good on camera. You know, you're Mexican, first generation, you're bilingual, you know a lot of people in the sport, you actually know them, like you have their numbers and you can call them and you coach. I think you'll be good on camera. Like if that's something that you're interested in, mind, mind you, you might not be and you have to say like, oh, whatever, I don't care. But you know that you could, you should, you know, you should give it a thought. And that really like put the idea in me like, you know what? I never thought I could do this, but there's somebody who's been in this business for 10 years telling me that I could do it. My, my, might as well listen to him, right? So I took acting classes, voice lessons, uh, presenting lessons, because uh, it's something I didn't, I, I mean, I obviously saw it because my dad, could, my parents could do it, but I never did it professionally. So I went to, to try to learn and like how to manage myself on camera and, and, and be able to, to speak. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, at the beginning, it's kind of like, oh my God, I'm a camera, what am I supposed to say? Especially when you're on, on, on the TV environment. So this guy calls me, uh, I, I go to the casting, I did horribly because a lot of people, you, you see, you think you know sports, right? Like we can sit here and talk about soccer forever. Yeah. But then when you're sitting there and the plays are running and you have to talk on top of them and say the names and whatever, it's a whole different monster. I yeah. didn't know that at that point. So I bombed it. It was like, All right, this is not going well. Okay. So this guy is like, hey, listen, like it was horrible. <laughs> you got you to gotta see a lot to learn. But why don't you stay as a producer, keep preparing yourself and eventually like the opportunity will come. I was like, All right, cool. I stay with him uh, as an associate producer again uh, in, in Telemundo at the network in, in Miami. So I work on the national Telemundo for six years as a producer. Uh, it, I was, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, again, uh, really grateful for, for all my bosses, which are still my bosses now to this day, because those yeah. are the people I do the Chivas games with. But they, they give me the opportunity to work quali uh, qualifiers for Mexico, uh, Olympic Games. This, uh, Tokyo would actually be my third Olympics. So I did London, I did Rio. Uh, I got to to produce a lot of a lot of the games. I produced Premier League. I, I produced Mexican Championships. So I think it was a good school in general to to be able to do those things. But I still wanted to call games. That that's what I wanted to do. And and I was behind the camera. So in 2015, when Telemundo gets the rights to the World Cup in U, the U20, was the first tournament that we had. And those games were at three in the morning because it was New Zealand. Uh -huh. I, and they were looking for somebody to call the games outside. And I was like, please let me do it. Just please let me do it. Just please let me. I begged so much for like the eight, like four weeks that they were looking for somebody until they were like, all right, fine. Go to the casting and see how you do with, with the people from digital. So I went to, the, to our team in digital. I did the casting with them. They presented it and they, they let me do the games. And they were like, you're going to do five games. Uh -huh. Okay. Fiji against Myanmar, U20. In New Zealand, the game's at 2.45 in the morning. I swear I was there at midnight, like with the biggest smile on my face. And I was I had all these notes. It's like, where the, I was like, it's, it's my first game. I got this. Yeah. My first game actually, and I'm going to remember this forever. My first game actually was the CONCACAF qualifiers third round. I called by myself, like the, I did a play-by-play -play and the analysis by myself, oh. Guatemala against Bermuda. It was a 0-0 game. It was a 0-1 <laughs> game. Oh, <laughs> that was my first game ever. So it was like, wow, like they just threw me to the fire. Like <laughs> there's not a lot of information of people from Bermuda. This is my first game. I had to do all 90 minutes by myself. Oh, yeah. uh, but but it was great. And after those five games, they let me do 45 games. 
so I ended up doing the U20, the U15, the U17, the Women's World Cup, and the Beach Soccer World Cup. I ended up, I ended up doing the third place in on air uh, on television for, for it was it was Germany against um, England for the 2015 Women's World Cup. And after I did that, I was like, I can do this. Like I can yeah. definitely do this. Uh, I met my wife. My wife, it's huge on social media. If if you follow her, Amanda Legringa. And she was like, why don't you have your own YouTube channel? Like, that's the best way to do it. So I ended up doing videos on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started doing those videos on Facebook. And I had a lot of, like, I started having a lot of views, even though I had, like, very few followers. And that was an art. I can't do this. So long story short, I quit <laughs> my job as a producer. I was like, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I want to be on camera. Uh, I told the guys, hey, listen, I love you to death. You gave me a lot of opportunities, but this is there's no place for me here, and I ha- I want to do this. They're like, that's fine. Go, you know, if, if you're sure that's what you want, and then we'll keep an eye on you. All right, cool. And I left. I was a YouTuber for like six months, and then my wife, we were living together already at the time, and she was like, well, this is not sustainable because you're not doing any, making any money. <laughs> Uh, so we need to find another way. And we moved to McAllen, Texas in a really small uh, station for Telemundo, Telemundo local. And I became their sports anchor Monday to Friday. So I started covering high school sports and that's where, where, where I started on television. Lucky for me, they called me back from the network and I was able to do the Russia World Cup. I followed Argentina as a field reporter. I, then I did the Women's World Cup and I covered basically 38 out of the 54 games uh i'll be going to tokyo and 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 that's how <laughs> and that's how i am here today after two years in mccallan they call me from the bay area and they're like hey we have an opening will you be interested and i'm like you got very professional sport of course i'm going and here I am. <laughs> nice man no no it's it's a it's an amazing journey carlos and i think you know for me anyways what i loved is that you know you, you you know i think all of us at one point we had to fail to learn right and you and you and you had a bomb to realize like okay do i really want this and you did, man. Some people just bomb and quit. Like you just kept going. You know what? I, I really, I, even though I bombed, I, I, I loved it. I still wanted to pursue it. And you, and you had, you were patient. Like six years, right? You said in producing, yeah. till that opportunity finally presented itself, man. And and that's 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 a great story, man. It's just uh, you know, you know, to keep going. Yeah. To piggyback up what you're talking about, T. I mean, not only just to to, but the fact to actually try and do it, because a lot of people are just too reserved and are just like. You know, even like for me, for example, some people say, hey, you should do this, you should do this. And I'm like, no, no. As a matter of fact, I met a friend at a bar yesterday and he was talking about me getting a seat with the city and the city council. And I'm like, like what are you like? Like, what? Like, no, you can do it, this and that. And I'm like, I talk about Adrian, right? God bless his heart. <laughs> but I'm like, no. I'm, and, and me, I'm like, no, I'm not going to take that, that challenge. I'm not going to take that leap of faith, right? I mean, that's just me. But just taking that leap of faith alone, I mean, that's, that speaks that speaks volume, man. That speaks volume. I mean, you're, you're you're jumping right into the fire. And that's how I think that's the best way to learn, right? The fact that, dude, right when you told me that they put you in by yourself, when I'm thinking like, you know, when you're you're you know calling a game, you have you have a co-anchor, right? You have somebody there with you yeah. that can feed off each other. But dude, the fact that you did it alone, man, your first one, to talk that that is legit. Like you 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 accelerated your uh, your growth, man, when it came to that. Um, I could just imagine how nerv- how nervous you were. Like, how how did you feel being, you know, hey, you're all alone. You got 90 minutes. Go. I I think it was intimidating when they presented the thing. It's like, so here's your first game, uh, and this is how it's gonna be done. Uh, I had a week to prepare, of, like, fortunately, but the, at the beginning, I'm like, damn, that's nerve wracking because I'm I'm by myself. But then at the end, I'm like, 
you know what? Like, honestly, the first thing I thought was like, wait, but that's it. I had like, I have to shine. Like, I prepared for that game like it was the final of the World Cup. Uh-huh. That's that's how I took I yeah. approach it. I'm like I don't care what happens in this game. Like I'm gonna make this game the best game that you ever heard, even if it's not because I'm just, I'm obviously new. And now I listen to myself. Like I actually have it somewhere there, uh, somewhere saved. And now I listen to the game and I'm horrible, <laughs> or at least to my standards. It's like oh my god, how can I do that? But but it was a, it was a starting point. And when I think like that was me when I didn't know how to do it. And it's still pretty, I think it's still pretty decent. And, and, and that's something that on the new generations, when I hear people that are interested or, or when they talk to me about it, I, I try to be critical, but it's always like, this is your room for improvement, but here's your base. This is the base of things that you do right. This is what you do right. Obviously, there's places to improve and you can't stay where you are. You want to be better, but... But yeah, if you wanna if you wanna do it, like I was just excited today, like coming to do those games at three in the morning with teams that like random like middle of Asia nations or whatever. To me, it was just as exciting as calling the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be it would be one thing. I think maybe if you call like a Mexico game or a Chivas game, or you know the players and you you know the numbers, you know the hairstyle, you know you know right away where they are, and it, it comes quicker. But when you're calling. Going based on numbers and unique no names. I have no idea who it is, and I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell Carlo this, but we tracked down your first, uh, your first broadcast, so we're gonna play it right now, and we're gonna listen to it. Just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. I just, kidding. I, I wish it was somewhere online. <laughs> oh, like and roll tape. Let's take a look. No, that's that's cool, man. So, Carlo, that that's that's amazing. The fact that your journey and where you're at at this point, man, and, and now you're in the Bay Area, so you know you do all you're all, you're everywhere, dude. You're doing a lot, man. I don't know how you again. You're probably going back to your college days. You even sleep like you're constantly doing something, man. It seems like you're active in so many different things. So, tell me about your current projects. I know it's Chivas, Chivas in uh, English, um, and then you used to put the 49ers, Damien. Well, I since I'm the local sports anchor for the local station here in the in the Bay Area, uh, we basically cover every sport, right? So you also have to become a jack of all trades. And I, I'm a big I'm a big sports fan in general. Uh, obviously, my knowledge, I to be honest, my knowledge in soccer is nowhere close as it is to the rest of the sports. Um, I know or I like uh, football enough to to be able to do it. I also happen to be on a Slack football team that was very professional because I got to give those guys like they actually made me practice oh, wow. and, and learn formations. They gave me a playbook. And so I, 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 I get a little bit of the X's and O's and that helps. Um, but we cover every team like here you have everything. So we're actually partners with the San Jose Earthquakes. We're partners with the San Francisco Giants. So they're two of the biggest teams that, that we cover. Obviously, uh, with the Earthquakes, we have a great relationship uh, so I, play, I have a really good relationship with, with, with Osvaldo Alaniz, uh, Tommy Thompson, and some of the other players. So, so that helps out. Uh, with the Niners, it's obviously also the Niners games on Sundays are on NBC. NBC is our sister station. So we have a big connection there. And then obviously now with, with the Giants, now with MLB starting, uh, I feel like the Oakland teams is something that we, we, uh, we hadn't really pushed. We're trying to incorporate more of ACE coverage now that the Oakland roots are on the USL. Uh, they're they're going to be also a big part of, of those partnerships. But you got to do it all. And then you have the Warriors, you have the Sharks, and, and you have talks with them, and you go to press conference. So it's really exciting. I mean, when I was in, uh, luckily for me, when I was in National, I get to do a lot of stuff. Like I actually did, as a producer, I actually uh, may, uh, was part in with the production of two of the Super Bowls. So oh, wow. we had, we had to, that was, I already, 
done three Super Bowls. So two as a producer, one as an anchor when the Niners made it to the Super Bowl in Miami. It happened to be in Miami, so I was able to travel because it was really easy. I could move around the city with like without hesitation. So um, all those all those things become an opportunity and being on the field. Like I just love sports and being able to be on the field on the court. Uh, it's it's just amazing. Well, so, this is going to be super cool because obviously you're in the Bay Area. We do have a a bunch of Villas Army chapter in in San Francisco. We got a lot of members in in uh, San Jose. We got Oakland. So when they see this, they're going to recognize you. They know because they're Quakes fans, they're 49er fans. Um, I know maybe like one or two A's fans, maybe, but everyone else is a Giants fan, right? So they're yeah. all gonna, they're they're going to recognize you, and they're going to be like, "Oh, what's up with that? That's super cool, man." But no, the Bay Area is is. I was able to visit the Bay Area last time Mexico played there. And I had never been there. It's super cool. San Francisco is super cool. The Bay Area. I mean, it's a, it's a. I grew up in Southern California, right? It's it's two. They're two totally different uh, lifestyles. Two totally different. It's kind of like the same culture, but it's a different way of life. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool. Super nice. Um, love the Bay Area. Love the Bay Area. Yeah. No, I mean, he went from Miami to what, Dallas. He said that was a Dallas. McAllen. I oh. wish it was. Uh, it was, <laughs> was McAllen. It was a really. I, I was riding the border with Reynosa. So, so and, that was a learning experience. Yeah. That that's cool, man. That's cool. I mean, definitely a, a great place to go to be a part of. But let's talk about your fandom, man. So I know that you you cover these teams. I mean, it, I mean, I, I imagine you start to get a, a special place in the in your heart for these teams because you cover them. But wh- who's who are who are your teams? Like who's your who's your club team? Like who who do you, who do you grow as? A, I, was a, was a if if you ask me, if you had asked me ten years ago. Before I started working on this, I, w- I would say Pumas. Uh, my my dad played for Pumas, uh, not for the first division, but um, in high school. And then with the, you, you know that the University of Mexico actually has an intercollegiate uh, tournament in between the faculties. One of the faculties, the schools. Mm-hmm. So my dad played for uh, accounting, and I think his his brother played for engineering or something like that. Uh, he also played football, American football in, in, for Pumas and uh, for, for, the, for the lower divisions when he, was in, when he was in high school. And he was a water boy for the, for, for the Onefa team. Uh, so it, my sister went to the, the UNAM, so we're, we're big Pumas fans in, in that sense. Growing up, I was a Pumas fan. Then I obviously played for Cruz Azul, and I mean, I loved playing for Cruz Azul, and, and I, I took it to heart like when we went to represent Cruz Azul in international tournaments because sometimes you were not at that point you were not even Cruz Azul you were that team from Mexico yeah so for me wearing the shirt and having the 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 stars and the little logo on the bottom that said Mexico and going to these international tournaments it was like I I like Cruz Azul like Cruz Azul it's my team Um, I also got a lot of cool experiences because being part of the team you get to be water oh ball boys for the team for the games and when Cruz Azul won the 1997 championship I got to be a ball boy for the final um so you know you you get to see the players all the time like so I I love Cruz Azul in that sense nowadays it's just you know you become a mashup of everything like I don't I I I'm not even a Pumas fan like I used to be because I have friends in America for example Oscar Jimenez the the backup keeper for America is is a good friend of mine Memo Cho has a good relationship with my dad so you want them to do well. Like I don't have I don't have a problem with America doing well. Uh, you, you have friends, especially on 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 the people that work on press. I one of my biggest friends from high school now is the uh, the main guy for press in Atlas. Or my family's from Guadalajara, so they're all Chivas fans. Now I work with Chivas really closely, and I call their games, and I take pride on being the voice in English of of Chivas. So 
nowadays I would say like I I like every, I I just love everybody. And the only one that doesn't change is the national team. That's it. I I was looking at the I was talking to my wife when we were watching the Preolimpico. Mm -hmm. That's the only one that my as much as I I enjoy and I appreciate, for example, the teams from Concacaf that a lot of people don't do. A lot of people take down the people from Concacaf. I I. I've been lucky enough to go to those games uh, when Honduras plays El Salvador, or like not not when they play Mexico, not, not all the time. Like sometimes they play other teams. Even on the World Cup, I was covering Panama, um, and and I respect them, and 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 I respect the players, and I've been able to talk to some of them, and they're really cool people. So I like that Concacaf as well in general. I love that El Salvador, Honduras, and and Panama beat other teams and show them that this is not a walk in the park. Those guys are those guys could be good. Yeah. So, but I, I, when I'm a fan, I'm a fan. Like I still see Mexico, and I still get a little, a little lynch. Probably not if I was working, but like a little itch. But no, probably if I was working the game, I would probably, you know, restrain it a little better, uh, and and we'll be able to be a little more objective. But when I'm watching, it's still the only team that really like pumps it up. It's got to be hard though, right, man? Especially if you're if you're covering a Mexico Mexico game, for example, and they 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 just go to that finally that quinto partido or something just like is just you know one 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 in a lifetime um you know whatever play or we beat a, a big team or something it's got to be hard to restrain yourself i mean i i don't know how you can do it you know i would germany be, uh, talk about the germany game last last yeah. world cup i mean are you kidding me how was your, what was your reaction well i i was lucky that that game was funny because i was not supposed to go to that game mm -hmm. uh that day, I was supposed to be in the fan fest. Uh, if you remember, the the Germany game happened on Father's Day. Mm, it was know. a sun. It was a Sunday. It was, a, it was Sunday, June 16 or June 17. And it was supposed to be Father's Day. It, it was Father's Day. Mm -hmm. So they sent me to the fan fest to do a, a a story on fans that happened to be with their parents or yeah. with their fathers. So to make a Father's Day uh, piece. Yeah. Uh, but while I was there, all of a sudden, I get a call and they're like, we need the same piece, but do it at the stadium. So when the game is over, find, or before the game starts, find fans that are with their fathers and do that piece. All right, cool. <laughs> the distances in Russia were horrendous. In Moscow, the traffic is worse than Mexico City or LA. If you think, you're, if you think the I-10 at 7 p.m. is bad, you've never been in Moscow. <laughs> so I had to drive from one to the other. We're rushing. Uh, we get to the stadium. The game had just started. Uh, it was like two minutes into the game when I got there. And I'm sitting there. I'm in the press room. In the press room, I didn't have access to the stadium. I'm here in the press room, and you can only watch it on the, on the monitors. But I ran into one of our audio people, and they're like, oh, you're here. And I'm like, yeah, well, they sent me to this, a piece, and I'm, I'm just waiting for the game to be over to like really crank it up. And he goes, you want to watch it from our studio? We had a studio in Lushniki on one of the corners uh, facing the field. And I'm like, I can go up to the studio? And he's like, yeah, I'll take, just come with me. Oh, he shit. takes me up to the studio and I watched the whole game at the studio. I oh, sat there in the corner and actually the corner where we were on, on the stadium, like it was facing the field like this. Chucky Lozano scored on that goal. Oh, uh, <laughs> and I was, I was with Chucho Ramirez. He, he's his wife, uh, may she rest in peace, and, and Miguel Gurwitz. And Gurwitz, Gurwitz uh, Jesus and I, were, we just lost it. <laughs> like, we're jumping, hugging each other, whatever. And the only part where you have to be professional, I guess, like, translate to the point that you were making, is that I look at the time, and when there were 10 minutes left, I just left. I didn't watch the end of the game because I had to work. So yeah. to me, that's, that's one of the things, like, 
you need to leave the fan out. And even though you're at these events and you get to watch the games and whatever, your, your job's first. And there's there's something that you have to do with it. And and I think a lot of people, especially nowadays with social media and everything, is where they struggle the most. Uh-huh. I know one thing. It's funny you mentioned when you were mentioning that you 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 have a favorite team, but then you get to know other players from other teams and you kind of embrace it. And I think because we're like we're hardcore Chivas fans, right? So we're like Americans fans that. But then we have somebody, a player like Janelli Frias, who just who played with the women's team. Now she went to America. She's, I mean, I consider her a dear friend because she was on the show and we got a chance to know her and we talk here and there. And all of a sudden she goes to America and I'm like, uh, what I, like, what do I do now? Like, do I like stop talking? No, I mean, she's super cool. She's a super awesome person. So I'm not, so, you know, I, you'll see my post, like I'll, I'll like America post, which I never thought I was going to do. I yeah. never thought I was going to like, in a medical post or whatever, but when she posts something, you know, we're, we're supportive of her. So I totally, I totally know exactly what you mean about that. Yeah, and it's funny because they had just had recently had the classical, right? The women, the America and Chivas, and Yanelli scored, right? She did, she did a header. So I actually cheer, and I'm going, oh, dude, I'm cheering for America. What's wrong with me? But it's Yanelli, dude. Like, like, hey, <laughs> yeah, we still won. You know, it was still a big, a big win. So it, it, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, it trips you up. You get the best out of world, both worlds if they tie, because right, like if Janelli scores and then Chivas happens to, or they win two one, you're like, so I have a double win. They won and Janelli scored, so both wins. We get both wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that we're talking about women, uh, women's soccer, um, what do you? How do you feel? Obviously, we we when you talk women's soccer, you think the U.S. national team, right? Because they're the pinnacle, right? They're the top. And now that you see um, the leagues in in Mexico starting to come together and you're starting to see the level of play ex, uh, excel. Um, to me, I think they're exceeding expectations. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I it's it's tough because I understand the point of view of everybody said like, well, it, it's hard because they don't they don't make money, right? They're the, they don't make a revenue. And while that's true, the, the biggest example I put in, in economics uh, from the business perspective, I'm like, well, that is true, but Let's say you have a taco stand. If you have a taco stand and you decide to go to a corner in the middle of an alley and sit there and then complain that people don't watch you or don't people don't come to buy your tacos, well, that's also on you because you're sitting in the middle of an alley. And I think women's soccer in general and a lot of in a lot of countries is something that we just have to admit is that as mainstream media, we tend to not pay attention to them with the excuse that they don't make money, but we're not giving them the limelight. So. With the very little funding and the little bit, little bit of, of, of light that they're shining on the Mexican league, they're doing amazing. I think the growth is there. The numbers show that there's growth, whether it's in social media, in the viewership. And it's little by little, yes, but it's, it's just investing on it. And, and you don't have to pour millions on it at a time. You, can, you, can, you need to meet the investment, increase the investment as, as you see that it's growing. But I think it's very important to see especially the partnership with the sponsors uh in in mexico they make a lot of excuses and i'm sure you guys if you talk to janelli you talk to you probably have met uh the people from uh from market uh market jersey who who work with janelli uh guillermo is, is, is really savvy on the business aspect of it and it's and it's hard to get those sponsorships and they don't have an excuse to give you the sponsorship. They they literally make up whatever whatever excuse and that's the biggest problem. You see with the NWSL this season after they were able to shine light just on the NWSL because they were the only league that came back during the pandemic and they they were the first ones to create the bubble. 
Now you see that they have Ally, they have Budweiser, they have Nationwide, they have uh, uh, was a cosmetic. They, they had like six or seven big time sponsorships. Nike, all those big, all that big money is coming because one, there's a move to try to increase the the, the visibility on the women's game. And second, because there is, there is going to be a payback. Are you going to see it right now, like right away? No. But when you compare it to soccer, that's uh, or the men's soccer that has existed and has been co consistently being poured money into for 70, 80 years, you're not on that even even playing field. You have to, you have to even that out a little bit. You're not going to give them the same amount of money. Nobody's saying that. And a lot of people get confused, equal pay and those things dollar by dollar, and that's not what it is. It, it has to be equity. It's just the fact that if we have talent like Alison Gonzalez, if we had uh, talent like Katy Martinez, you got to make sure that we can nurture that talent and eventually make it grow and send her abroad. Yeah. Who, who knows? Katy and Alison might be the next superstar for Olympique Lyon in, 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 or for Chelsea that it's that it's uh, blowing up now in Europe. So Or Barcelona, who knows? I mean, you have yeah. Kenty Robles playing in, in, in Real Madrid. There, there's been other players that, that have played in big teams and the, the, the team is growing. So it's just a matter of focusing on the fact that this is a product that people are searching for. It might be niche, but it doesn't matter. We live in a niche era. People yeah. who listen to the podcast probably don't listen, even though they like soccer, they might not listen to this podcast because they like European soccer. So they're going to go and look for a European soccer podcast. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. There is a market for it. So yeah. explore, explore the market and make it work. Yeah, and I think as, as fans, we need to we need to continue to promote it ourselves, right? I mean, because that's how sponsorships come, right? It is it's eyes, is is interest, and they go, wow, there's you know, there's a following, right? I mean, there's there's a there's, there's something we can tap into, um, and that's something that we can do, right? Just continue to spread the word, talk about it, and just get people excited, and, and, and you know, letting them hey, give it a try, man. It's really entertaining. And, and and on the other side of the token, one of the things that I think I'm really excited about is the fact that we can get we. The, the ladies need to have, need, they need leagues to play in. And they need to continue to play. If we want to compete with the U.S. women's team or we want to get up to that bar, the only way to get there by practicing and playing. So, you know, it, it's, an, it's an investment, not a short-term investment, but it's a long-term investment, medium to long. Uh, but you can totally see, you can totally see the quality. I can absolutely, and, and the reason I say it is because I coach soccer too. I coach at the high school as well. So I see the girls come from, from freshman to to junior, I mean to sophomore, junior, and then sophomore. But to see them grow, I mean, we had girls that they couldn't walk straight, let alone kick a ball. And then all of a sudden, they're like, they're looking. I mean, we had a, a one. I forgot what coach it was. One of the coaches from the men's uh, from the women's uh, soccer team came out and took a look at our at some of the girls, and he wanted to take one of the girls. And I'm thinking this girl could barely kick a ball. Let her, now she's being looked at to possibly going to go play for Mexico. And so to me, I think that's just great that they deserve that opportunity. Um, everyone deserves that opportunity and that, and why not? You know, why not? It was just gonna, it's just gonna better be better for everybody. And, and you see it on, on the world's game. I, I mean, if you look at the last Women's World Cup that I, I, I loved being a part of, uh, to me, it was, I, I think it was, it was eye-opening, not to myself, because I, I've watched women's soccer for so long, but it was, it was. I think it was eye-opening eye for a lot of people to see, like, if that game between France and the U.S. at the Parc des Princes in 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 Paris, the house of Paris Saint Germain, yeah. with a full stadium with forty thousand people screaming at the top of their lungs, and the game the way it happened, and and the goals by Wendy Renard, and the goals by Tommy Heed, 
and how he got talked about it. It was in the main, it was in the papers all over Paris the next day. I think like that was and just how big, just because of the investment that one team or two teams have had in in France, because Olympique Lyon and 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 Paris Saint Germain are at the top of, of of that movement. Just to see the quality of that French team, just with that little investment on those two teams to be able to match to the U.S. and have that kind of soccer. To me, that was unbelievable. And I think that that's proof that if, if you give it a try and if you work it, it, it should be. In. And I mean, you're, you're listening to this now, but for the next Women's World Cup in, in, in Australia in 2023, you can expect, for example, England to be one of the top. They're already one of the top teams, but it's going to be even better because these new deals that they've signed for the league with Sky Sports and with all these people that are investing on the women's team, you're going to see England blow up all of a sudden. And it's, and it's very obvious. It's, it's that simple. That investment, man. That investment. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's uh, let's transition. Um, so, you know, you know, good, good, uh, good, good discussion, man. But let's transition into um, you're wearing the jersey, the New Mexico jersey. Uh, I love that you put a post out because, dude, uh, like I said, there was a lot of controversy. Controversy. Oh, and it always happens. I mean, there's always going to be some people that just don't like whatever. Even if it was a, a green of edited, there will be something that people would criticize about. But the color change was was you know something that that stood out. Um, and you did a post, right, explaining, hey, this is why this is the color, this is why we have it, and you and you did a phenomenal job. So, you know, tell us about your impression of the jersey and your thoughts. I mean, you're definitely wearing it, so definitely. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, uh, the the first thing I I am I'm a, I'm very traditionalist in 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 the jersey sense for the national teams. I do believe that overall Mexico should be green all the time, but that doesn't mean that if they make a change, I'm just going to completely reject it. Uh, especially nowadays, like I feel like. Uh, and this is something coming from a person who collects a lot of jerseys. <laughs> uh, the the fact that the whoever designs the jersey, there's always a story behind. For example, the 2014 jersey, you remember that? Like I call it Power Ranger and the Charlie Brown jerseys for the World Cup. Yeah, the Charlie Brown. It, it's the Charlie Brown, the Power Rangers to me. But there was so much thought behind it. It might have worked out or not. That's a whole different story. But they they did the research and and there was a cool story behind it and I feel like this one was was kind of thing and black and black and, and, and hot pink or, or or rosa mexicano is one of my favorite combinations ever actually any any shade of pink with black is one of my favorite combinations ever on, on soccer jerseys Palermo love it Inter Miami that they decided to go that route I have everything I I also have a TikTok about it I have from the polo all the way to both jerseys like I bought everything yeah. Uh, well, they might, might have got it from the team, but that's a whole different story. Uh, <laughs> so I just love the combination. And I saw it and I'm like, well, this, this is interesting because I need to go find out. I also, uh, and this is something that I haven't posted just because it's kind of like the, the train died a little bit and, and I didn't say it. But when I look at the design, I knew for a fact, that, and, and you guys were part of this, uh, a lot of the marketing and the idea behind this jersey was aimed at the, at the American consumer in the sense of, the Mexican-American consumer, right? Like we're the English first people who, who live in, in the U.S. And when I look at the, the design, I'm like, that design looks really familiar. And a lot of people in, Mex in Mexico didn't, didn't see it, but it's a Southwestern design. Mm -hmm. And when I look at it, I, and again, this is not official by Adidas. I even asked them. <laughs> I was like, let me go ask the brand about it. And they were like, no, well, we don't know who did it. I will actually have to go find a designer. But there's the design of uh, Navajo Aztec uh, ponchos that that is very well known. They're made, they're made in Arizona. The, the the Native Americans from Arizona still make them. And, and again, it's a fusion from 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 the Aztecs, the the Mexicas or, or the Chichimecas that moved down to the to the South Mexico and 
founded what basically will become the Aztec Empire and the people who stayed up. So I think that there's a relationship into the Mexican-American community of like the design of the jersey speaks to that. So having all that together, I was like, well, you know, let me explain these things because there's a lot of cultural elements that they go into. And then at the end of the day, they just put it, push it out. And sometimes the designer doesn't have a say on how the marketing is done. And, and those things kind of get lost. I didn't think it was going to explode the way it did. Because to me, it was like, I, I, if you go to my TikTok, I probably have like nine of them. So it was like, oh, let me do this TikTok. And I pushed the TikTok. All of a sudden, it's like, dude, this being shared on Reddit. And it's being shared here. And it's shared here. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Uh, and, and it was just uh, I actually had also the, the luck that uh, Ramon Baldosiera's uh, family retweeted it and, and took it and posted it on their own site. So it's it basically now part of, like, the Rosa Mexicano official story. So that was really cool. No, it's, 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 it's crazy how an idea and you sharing that just, you know, things you, you didn't expect it to go as big as it did. But it's, it's pretty amazing, man. I've I talked to people, we've talked about it because that video, it really literally blew up. And a lot of people, that video put people at ease. That video just kind of like, okay. Right? Yeah. You know, people just kind of yeah. like, okay. Then, you know, they understand. And, then, and then the latest one that you had done about uh, the original color of the jersey back in 1923 was red, right? When you did that one, it, you know, it's like, okay, guys, you know, you don't, don't be so close minded. I, we love tradition, right? We love La Verde, but you got to look at the big picture. And I think, you know, we have to open our minds, right? Not just be so close-minded. And those two those two videos you did, I mean, I got to applaud you. I mean, it's like yeah. you did homework or whatever it is you did. It just it, it just put a lot of people at ease. And, and again, I think I was like, I'm, I was grateful that you did that because I'm like, you know what? I'm a big supporter of anything Mexico does. Man, they can make a jersey out of latas and Whatever, <laughs> so I'm gonna it. buy it, bro. I'm gonna, I, I might not like it, but I'm gonna buy it. You know, I, I got every single jersey. So, you know, <laughs> one, one thing that I learned about Carlos is that, dude, if I ever go to a trivia that has to do with soccer, what was in Mexico, dude, I'm gonna be like, Carlos, hey, dude, I'm phone a friend, come yeah. in, dude, we're doing this. He's, he's your lifeline, right? He's your lifeline. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, and it's funny because I think this comes full circle. When I started doing my videos on Facebook, it was about the, the crests. Like, for example, uh, Sargento is wearing the, the, Chivas, the, the Chivas logo. That's not the original Chivas logo. Uh, and and I, I, I will go into the, I will go into the, to, to the story of what it was Club Union, what it looked like, how it got transformed into this Chivas logo that now has the city of Guadalajara uh, crest on it or coat of arms on it, why that was important. And one, for example, uh, since we're here, one of the trivia points that I found through research, and it's not on the official site, because if you go to the official site of Chivas, they're going to tell you that the Rojiblanco, the, the stripes, came because uh, Everaert, uh, Ever, uh, the guy who founded Chivas, Edgar Everaert, who is the, the Belgian guy who founded Chivas, was the main, the, the guy that actually founded the team or invented the team. He was a fan, they say that he was a fan of Club Bruges. In, in, in Belgium, right? So if you look at the Club Bruges jerseys nowadays, there are stripes uh, like Inter Milan, black and black and blue. But in 1906, when Chivas was invented, they didn't wear those colors. This is the same as you go back in history. I went into the Bruges uh, archive and, and to their website. And in 1905, 1906, they, they were a separate color. The stripes didn't appear till 1930, in 1913 or 1914. And knowing how information spread back then and whatever, it's like there's no way Everaert knew that in Bruges, in Belgium, 
they had just changed the stripes. And that same year, he decided to put stripes on the Chivas jersey. That's not a thing. Wow. When you look at the city of Bruges, the flag of the city of Bruges, it has a blue lion with red and white stripes. Mm-hmm. So him being from Bruges, from, from Belgium, and seeing that he probably grabbed the flag and put it into the jersey. So that's something I learned. But it's not on the if you go to the official side of Chivas, they'll tell you, oh, no, it's because it was based on the Club Bruges. And it's like that jersey did not exist. There's no way. Oh, that's great. That's interesting, man. And, I did, you know, we, I did watch some of your other ones. And, and you did talk about. Uh, like the Inter Milan, and then you can you do the the logo, even the the Quakes one, you know the mm-hmm. San Jose Quakes, how they they went from a couple different leagues to a couple different colors, a couple designs, even the Scorpion, and just kind of like now to what 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 is what we know now today as the. And I think that you know that's super cool because a lot of people, that's some some cool information that that you want to know where you come from, like just like our roots, because soccer is so dear to us. It's like family right it's like we hold it together we hold it like it's family we want to know about our ancestors we want to know about our grandparents and uh, going back and doing that research and, and providing that i think that's super cool so i just want to give you a, a, a applause for that thank you <laughs> if you're a true fan you can watch those for hours right so definitely you know you can just go there and just just get immersed in all that all that information all right we're running out of time um we're trying to i'm going to play this quick games it's perfect timing because we're talking about jerseys um, I want to take a uh, Coronel. You're a big Chivas fan, Carlos. You, you, you know, you're very involved with Chivas now. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna we're gonna play this quick game, and then we're gonna wrap up with this. It's called Chivas Año, right? Like okay. Chivas, no, but Chivas <laughs> so the way it's gonna work is I'm gonna pull up a jersey, a Chivas jersey, and both you and Coronel have to guess what year what year it came out. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, good. Whoever answers first gets, uh, of course, picks it, and then uh, you'll get the point. But, you know, we'll go from there. Let's take a look. Okay. This one. What year? 2020, 2020, 2009, 2019. 2019, 2020. 2019, 2020. <laughs> God, he's going to be like, what did he say? <laughs> I got I to let him answer first. Yeah. 2001, 1999, or 05? I'm going to say, ooh, Atletica, let me see, 26, 3 bucks. Let me see, let me see, 19, I'm going to say 2000, 19, 1999, 2000. Okay, Carlos? Yeah, same. 99, uh, 2000, ooh, off by a year. It's 2001, right? 2001, 2002. 0102. Here we go, one for one, or one, uh, this one, 18, 15, 10. 2010, 2011. Mm, I'm going to say 15, 16, just to be different. Coronel got it, 15, 16. Uh. Oh, all right, here we go. Next one, 15, 02, 17. These are tricky. Uh, so they, they, got, they, just, they had just won the championship. That's it, 2017, 2018. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yes. C. 17, 18. Correct. And you guys are on it. All right. Here we go. Get down to our last few. 95, 98, 06. 06. Yeah, it's 06. 06. Man, this is back to back. Here we go. It's getting heated up. Last one. 05, 02, 95. 95, 96. 95, Man, good job, dude. You guys started building up momentum. You guys are on fire. Uh, I can't even tell who won. I think... Uh, I think we're... 
Oh, he won because I got I got wrong the one on the 2010 and he was 2015. Oh, that's right. I got one wrong. So here's a funny here's a funny thing about the the it gets a little trickier towards uh, the later years because there's so many changes, right? And so we know we they, when they went from one mark to from Abba to Atletica and then we go to Reebok and then they did uh, Adidas and now they're Puma. So you kind of you can it, that's a little bit easier. But when they're the same brand, that that got a little bit trickier. Let me yeah. ask you a question, Carlos. Do you know what uh, what jersey, what year this one was? That's two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah, you're right. I think it was. I think it was. You know, my favorite jersey, and I'm gonna share it. My well, I don't have it with me. It's in the closet. My favorite jersey is the one that they never came out with. The one that was right before this one. The, uh, they, uh, when Vergara took over the team, mm -hmm. he created this jersey, but the one that was supposed to come out before this was Atletica. They mm -hmm. did one that was no logos. It was straight. It was the one with the collar. That is my favorite jersey, and they, they never played with it. They never, they never played with it, but uh, that, to me, is my favorite Chivas jersey. Yeah, uh, I, I have... <laughs> All my cool ones, I, I could, I wish I, I could have had uh, a cooler ones to show you. But from the Mexican league, all my cool ones, I don't have them here. My dad has them in, in, in Miami. Some of them are actually his. Um, I have Pavel Pardo's 1998 jersey, the one that uh, Sargento has on his back, uh, on his background. I have, I have oh. that jersey from Pavel Pardo, actually game worn in white. Wow. Um, I, I have the Copa America one. Remember the one with the big M. I have Carlos Hermosillos and Benjamin Galindos uh, from that Copa America. I think it was a it was a friendly before Copa America, but I have those two match worn. Oh. I have a 2002 match worn uh, jersey from Pumas that Parejita Lopez gave to me, and then we have every player from Cruz Azul from 1997, like Reynoso, Palencia, uh, Hermosillo, Galindo, Adomaitis. Like my dad has all those. He has a he has a concentration polo. From Chivas from 1985 that uh, Fernando Quirarte gave to him. Mm -hmm. So all those things I don't have them. My, my dad gets wow. to keep them. The, the only one that I would say it's cool. Uh, Olympique Lyon celebrated their 106th anniversary, 116th anniversary, and they made a, a, a special edition jersey. And this is a crazy story. I met uh, Villas Boas, the coach. Well, he just got let go or he just quit from from Olympique, uh, Olympique Marseille he was he also coached Chelsea and he coached uh, Porto mm -hmm. a couple of years ago there was some FIFA event I get to interview him um, we talked for, for more than what the interview was one day he started following me on social media it's the weirdest thing and I saw like he was looking at my post and I'm like why is, why is Andre Villas was looking at my stuff like, it's so weird so one day I reached out when he had won something with, with Olympique Marseille. And I was like, oh, good job, mister, whatever. And he's like, thank you, Carlos, whatever. And I'm like, oh, crap. So they posted that they were releasing this anniversary jersey. And I, I put as a joke, I love this jersey. I wish I could get one. And Andres Villas was sent me one. So I had a full, like, Olympique Marseille, like, official patches and everything. And I'm like, what? you're like. What the heck? That's yeah. awesome. That's well, awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm, I can't even. I, I'm not even close to what you guys. I just started collecting them because <laughs> they're way ahead of me. Uh, but Carson, real quick, before before we head out, we're closing our show real soon. Um, what is your favorite Mexico jersey? I mean, because be honest with you, to have a, a match worn jersey from the '98 that Azteca, everyone loves it. That is like awesome. Yeah. Well, what What is your favorite Mexico jersey? Uh, I mean. It, 
if, if as a fan, I would say that one. I think the the design of the 1998 is so iconic that it's it's actually a lot of people from outside the country because I, I I got involved in like that like oh we're we're all collectors kind of world and some people from from uh, even the United Kingdom they were talking about this one how they love this one because the the black and, and and pink because they said oh you take risks and I think the 1998 the 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 design is really cool and and is just what it meant and everything but I. Again, like I had the luxury of training with the national team for a couple of months. So if you remember in 2003, uh, they switched to Nike and Nike had a purple or a, a Ginda uh, yes. practice jersey. Uh, and just I, I got to wear that saying that was part of the national team. So to me, that's that's my favorite jersey. I love that. I like that one, too. I remember that one. I remember the Nike ones. Absolutely. My favorite one is the 2006 Uh the one they used for the World Cup. I think it was South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. That, to me, is my favorite one. But, uh, Z, what about you? I think we've talked about this, right? Yeah, I and mean, that's definitely, definitely the 98. I mean, that's that's my favorite one, dude. That's that's one that I wish you can, you know. Again, I don't know if they'll ever go back to something similar to that. But, you know, I, I just, I just it's one of the ones that just stands out. It's unique. And then plus, you know, getting it signed and everything's always also been special. So it's also hard because now the rules with uniforms in general for UEFA CONCACAF the World Cup are getting so strict that's what that's why you see and there's a whole booklet if people don't know that uniforms are actually supposed to be the logos and and the branding whatever is supposed to be a certain size and a certain dimension and the the the, the colors cannot be a certain color and the, the sleeves cannot be a certain pattern all those things are in a booklet that you can find on FIFA it's the it's regulations of uniforms and whatever UEFA has its own uh, and that's why you see nowadays more, you know, pale uniforms. They also being making a big push for people who are colorblind. So that's why they're pushing for colors to be a dark and a light because they're thinking they're they're they were saying that uh, one if every four men is colorblind. So it's important for them to feel them also in included. So it's easier for them for television for the ref for, to have a very contrasting uniform from one to the other, and that's why they're doing it. And that is something I did not know. There you I go. Just, that's what, I that's thought what. they just made their thing and just, okay, let's go with it. Oh, <laughs> There's right. always regulations, man. So they've got to submit it, get approval, kind of like a HOA, right? I got a letter <laughs> from my HOA the other day that my lights, and I was like, yeah, whatever. That's <laughs> <laughs> you got to stay within these dimensions, you know, it's like, yeah, you got to send uh, sign in a freaking waiver, and I was like, yeah, that's yeah. Man, all right. Well, Carlos, thanks again for joining us, man. This is good. And you know what? Honestly, we can talk about so many different topics. And, and this is what I love about our podcast, right? It's like, hey, we're not going to sit here and drill you with questions. It's like, tell us, you know, see where it ends, where it takes us. And here's where it took us. And, you know, again, you know, definitely, um, I'll, I'll definitely take you up on that, getting your dad on here, too, because he's, he's a fanboy. Uh, he's funny as heck, dude. The guy's so animated. Every time I watch him and his, and his stuff, the guy just, is he still very active like that, Carlos, or is he kind of mellowed down over, over his years? My, my dad's 73 years old, and when you go to his Instagram, you could never tell that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope. I hope I have his energy when I'm that age. Uh, I, it's somebody I always uh, look up to. I haven't seen him in a year, so it's it's been tough. Yeah. Uh, we talk every day anyway, but um, but he's 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 my first idol. Um, than everything else. <laughs> oh. oh, he's amazing, man. Again, you know, shout outs to to your dad, but um, also also your you know your wife's a big YouTuber as well, and I get so entertained. I, the the one my favorite ones the tres uh, the, the Reyes Magos that he did with your parents. <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, oh man, that was, and again, that's where I saw him. The guy's still very animated. He just, you could tell that he just, you know, your family is just so close, right? 
but any final thoughts, Carlos, anything you're working on that you want to tell us about? Anything that you want to share with our viewers as we wrap up? Uh, well, Any, I would, anything, yeah. Uh, obviously, I, I don't, I don't want to extend your podcast, right? Uh, I was having this debate with Ramon Raya that he talked the whole podcast on hours, but uh, <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> we love talking to Ramon. Uh, we're talking about a little bit about uh, at the beginning before we started uh, of things that if there's like new generations jumping on the on, on the wagon of like working in sports and things like that. Uh, I think. First of all, that I, I'm a terrible example of how to how to get there. I, I am aware of my privilege. I know I had some doors that were kind of open for me since I was born, basically. But uh, I still needed to do the work in between. And I think the most important part is that now with social media and how we consume our things, if you want to say something, if you want to prepare a video, if you want to talk about the history of I don't know what, do your own research and post it. You yeah. don't ever know. Like I, I never thought that that TikTok was gonna blow up, and I'm on television, right? And uh, probably people recognize me more. Like, it's easier for me to put on my bio, I'm that guy from the Rosa Mexicano TikTok, than <laughs> I work on Telemundo. Like, I'm, I'm sure more people recognize you. So, to me, that's now you have, you have the tools. Like, with a light, a cell phone, you can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So, just don't be afraid of it. If that's something you want to do, explore it. Go, make calls, call people. And now with social media. Text the player, like send him a DM. He might not answer, he might, who knows? But if you don't go ahead, I think like one of the things that I learned in the pandemic was especially that, like there's a lot of interviews that I've been getting lately that I've never gotten. And it's because I needed to be, for example, if I wanted to call America and say, yeah, listen, I want to talk to Guillermo Ochoa, they'll be like, well, where can you make it? Well, I only have these two, three days to send to travel to Mexico. Well, he can't make it and you're done. There's no way around it. Yeah. Now it's like, well, he's available on Wednesday at 10 o'clock at night. Sure. He's sitting in his house. I'm sitting in my house and we're going to do it on Zoom. Perfect. So I think those those things are also like kind of like put your, your foot on the door, like reach out to people, let them know who you are, let them know what you're interested in. And some again, not every door is going to open, but sometimes you might find a window. And that that's that's really important. And, and I feel like that the pandemic taught me that. And also the pandemic was I was lucky enough that I got involved with the, with the Chivas project. And one of the reasons why I got involved with the Chivas project is because I was in the pandemic. Uh, we're calling the games and Jorge Calvo is in Miami and I'm here in the Bay Area and we're doing the games. And one, you can't really tell the, the fact that we're so far apart and, the, and that we don't. I've known Jorge for ages, which helped out. But that chemistry, we already had it because we're friends. But we're still really far apart to like be able to, to make that work. And, it, and it's happening. So the fact that obviously my bosses at Telemundo, uh, at the network trusted in me and said, hey, listen, we want you to be a part of this because you're bilingual and, and, and you know the game and, and you're more acculturated than a lot of our other other anchors and you're a younger voice uh, and we want you to be part of it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, you know grateful for that. And then the fact that I'd be able to do it um, and, and we're going to do it again because this Sunday we uh, Chivas play Santos. And I think that just in general, like Telemundo being involved with Chivas, uh, which is uh, the you know the biggest team in Mexico. Uh, you could argue that America is too, and, and that's fine. I think they're just on, on equal levels of popularity and, and, and titles and, and how people follow them and the importance they get on the media. It's it's just as equal. Like whatever happens with America, what happens with Chivas is always going to be it's always going to be new. So for us to be involved with them, working with them, and the fact that they're going to be here for for quite a few years, uh, it's it's really important for us, and I'm really really excited that you can see it on our social platforms. You can go to telemundodeportes.com and watch the game. You can go to their app and watch the game. And also on SiriusXM on channel 211, you also have that available if you want to listen to the English broadcast. And I think getting close to 
more and more like there's more and more Hispanics in the U.S., but there's also more and more Hispanics are born in the U.S. and yeah. and and they're English first, right? Like I'm I'm not I'm not that I I actually sometimes struggle. Like I don't know if you can hear it that, because English is my second language. So it's been a, it's been even a, a a big journey to try to get here and and feel comfortable speaking in English for so long and. And, and I think that a lot of people like feel it close to heart, right? Like I, I want I want to identify with them. I want to bring them that idea that, yes, this, this is how things happen in Mexico. I was born and raised there. And I know the soccer from the inside and I can give you the, that insight. But for you to consume it in a way that is more more popular to you, some that feels a little less foreign, even though everybody's used to the Spanish way of doing it. But I feel like if you can assimilate those concepts in English it helps out a little. No, definitely. No, I mean, it, again, it, it, to me, I think it's it's super awesome. I mean, it's a big soccer community. Uh, we all we all connected in some way, right? We're starting to co to connect, and like you mentioned, reach out, talk to somebody, send a message, post a video. I mean, because every eventually people start to see it, right? And and we end up. It, you mentioned Jorge Cabo. Saludos a Jorge. I mean, I met him uh, back in Miami. We yeah, there was a game in Miami. I met him. He's a super cool guy. Uh, met, sent a couple messages here and there. But uh, but the, the fact you mentioned his name, and I'm like, yes, I know him, dude. So I was like, I met him a while back. So I was like, super cool, because I feel like we kind of know each other now, you know. And that's 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 the power that we have right now with social media, um, and then especially with the pandemic and all of this stuff, everything virtual. Um, no doors are closed. I mean, you just just got to keep knocking. They're gonna open. So yeah. Um, Thank you, Gunnar. Well said. And thank you, Carlos, as well. I mean, I think he, the biggest thing that we learned, right, that people look at the pandemic as this, you know, this horrible time in, in you know, in our history. Uh, but I think it's going to make us better. Um, it's, it's allowed us to, you know, take that we think we took for granted how we can just be like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, whether it's family, since we haven't seen family for a while, how important they are and how often we need to stay in contact. Um, the sports that we love, you know, not having them for a while. I'm like, man, it just how, how much we really enjoy but it's really not the sports for me anyways. The Coronel, probably the same thing. Yes, our, our passion for La Selección, but also just dude, the, the, being together with our members, man, and enjoying a good game. And I just thought of that moment, dude, when, when Chucky Lozano and you and a coworker were just cheering on, dude. That's that's us. Yeah. Every time that is, you're just being around people to enjoy those moments, and we'll remember them forever, man. So, um, you know, from the Bay Area, from all the way here from Arizona, uh, Coronel and Sargento, thank you very much, Carlos, and we'll be seeing you around, man. All the best. Thank you. All right, absolutely, and hopefully it's not the last time. I feel, like, I feel like Mexico Mexico team is very popular with a lot of Americans. I mean, think about celebrities. It's, it's, it's cool to be a Mexico fan. I mean, Snoop Dogg and Dude, who, who, all these, just, you know, whether it's a jersey or marketing, who knows? But it feels like it's a, it's like a cool thing now, right? Like it's, it's something that people want to. Cool, bro, we've always been cool, man. <laughs> <laughs>